Hello, and welcome to episode number 38 of the IoT Weekly Podcast, brought to you by GearForge Software. Wait a minute. <laughs> you were supposed to start. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, Matthew? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, no. Hello, you're listening to the IoT Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 38 of the IoT Weekly Podcast, brought to you by GearForge Software. My name is Cliff, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and good friends, Matthew and Zynep. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hi. Hi. So, Matthew, what have you been up to? I have been on a kick, a deep dive into Vim. Really? Uh, Yes. I know, Cliff, I know you know what Vim is, but I'll explain it anyway for the listeners. Go ahead is a um, it is a classic text editor that runs in uh, in a console console it's like all text basically and uh, it's been around forever um, in some form or another and it remains super popular um, and uh, yeah I've been on just a kick with this thing um, partly so it's what I use when I need to do some work on a server, for example. So it's pretty useful, but it's also just super geeky. And you know, I love that. So I realize I'm like, how deep can you dive into Vim for God's well, sake? Well, here's the thing. It Are is going to override the WQ command. No, you could, but it is, <laughs> it is insanely powerful. And I was inspired by a couple of uh, YouTube videos that I put into the show notes in case people are as geeky as I am and want to check this out. But one of them is by Damian Conway. He is one of the, I would call him one of the wizards of the Perl uh, programming community. Um, And, you know, I've just been kind of working my way gradually through some of their conference videos, and I ran into this one. Damian Conway is a genius, I think. Um, and he has a just the most insane Vim setup you've ever seen. If you want to see somebody who has gone way over the edge uh, with something geeky, you've got to watch that video because he has, he has 80,000 lines of Vim configuration. And his Vim is like, it's like, it's insane. It's like a Mercedes and a tank at the same time. <laughs> it's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, and basically, basically, you can do everything in Vim that you could do in uh, in something like Visual Studio Code and like ten times more um, without ever touching a mouse. And that's actually the part that is interesting to me is I find a, I spend a lot of time programming, and I find I often have to move my right hand off of the keyboard yep. to use the mouse. Yeah. Which, slows me down basically and so what i'm trying to train myself to do is use uh, vim key command so for example i use visual studio code for my work and i've got a plug-in that basically allows me to use the vim um, keyboard combinations and i'm trying to force myself to use those so i don't have to you know slow down so much <laughs> basically but these these two videos are just if you're if you're geeky and you're into this kind of thing they're just really fun so how many your config, your Vim config, how many lines do you have in it, Matthew? Now? Mine is short. It's like 50 lines. 
Okay, and I, I I'll contest. I've never even opened up my Vim config, um, so mine has whatever's default in the config. Yes, which is nothing. So I have <laughs> nothing. Zero. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, um, Zainab, have you uh, have you also been diving deep into Vim? Absolutely. Is that like a pool or something? It is. Yes, it's right oh, next to. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's we have a large one here. It's called the Vim Mediterranean. It's, yes. it's great. It's been very warm. You but... refer to that as a pool? <laughs> a pool. <laughs> yes, we do have a large pool nearby. It's called the Mediterranean. Yes. <laughs> the size of two countries, why not? Um, no, I just, I've just been um, munching on ice cream pizza like uh, you're a regular uh, student. <laughs> so is that ice cream and pizza? Or, or is that ice, ice cream, cream pizza? on the pizza, or yeah, or is it ice cream pizza, like Matthew said? Well, if I did that, then my dog would just chow down on my chocolate ice cream because she loves pizza so much. So I'd rather not. <laughs> but you know, she's been helping me get through a minor illness, and it's it's been fun having her around because she never sticks around otherwise. So. And Zainab, you are in Tunisia. How how is the uh, how is the the temperature there these days? Oh, I should have mentioned this. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting story. Uh, we woke up one day. It was wonderful weather. Two hours later, it got super cloudy, thick clouds, and it started raining. And we thought, okay, why not? And then it suddenly very quickly turns into one of those Bollywood rainy weather romantic scene um, kind of rain where you cannot see 10 feet ahead of you. And then these hails the size of golf balls spiky golf balls start falling everywhere next thing we know our uh our like 50 feet tree just fell down across the street whoa it was it was a very interesting moment we were just looking at it from the balcony just falling like whoa street for the neighbors (laughs) (laughs) i bet that was spectacular yeah it was spectacular on the street i it was legendary we wanted to take selfies did it stop raining or is it still raining, Zainab? It, it is still raining on and off. I have to say it's 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 actually colder than St. Cloud, which is saying something because we're in we're in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. but do you have a is it is it seasonal? Is it sort of there's a rainier season and then uh, dry season, or does it not really matter? Well, it has. There's more variety than Minnesota. There's there's an actual spring here. And wow. actual, yeah, and an actual fall. But we're just starting off the uh, the uh, kind of the flood seasons, the flood years, because we just ended the drought years, and so it's a bit crazier. So oh. you're moving into flood season now. Yep. Well, by flood season, I mean the next four years. But there's still like fall and spring. <laughs> so are you are you getting ready to to head into fall here soon, or? It's starting to happen. Okay. Um, a little earlier than usual, but yeah, I mean, I don't even know if St. Cloud has fall. I remember it was like two yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the leaves are starting to change. Um, and it's, uh, it was at, at the other morning, uh, it was 53 degrees and I could see my breath when I took the dogs out. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's crazy. So it's already starting to get cold here. And the farmer's <laughs> almanac is saying it's going to be miserable this year. Oh, good. Ooh, I, they say that every year. Yeah, they do. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Cliff, what about you? What have you been up to? Oh, um, well, back to Python, my uh, my second favorite language, um, and uh, back to prototyping some solenoids. And 
funny as it goes. So we're up to about 10 different solenoids at this point. Um, mm -hmm. Part of the problem is, is the, the mechanical engineer doesn't have a way to actually measure. Um, well, he probably could, but it'd probably take us longer than actually just ordering more solenoids. <laughs> um, measuring the actual weight uh, of, of what these have to deal with, because every time we change it, we're also changing design and things like that as we incrementally make adjustments to this prototype that we're building uh, from an IoT standpoint. And so, of course, uh, we find a solenoid that is just, it's kicking butt, Matthew. Really good, solid solenoid. Got it from a, a, a great supplier uh, here in the U.S., the well-known. Um, so I was like, yep, we're good. We're, it's not like I'm buying it off of Amazon or something like that. It's a good company. So, I mean, all the, the right things you're supposed to do, right, Matthew? Yep, yep, ticks the boxes. Yep, and so I was only buying one at a time because I think we've, like I said, we went through about 10 of these now to find the right one. And so we went back to order a couple more, and they're out. Even though, like, two weeks ago, they had 40. Yeah, of course. So I had to call up the supplier and say, hey, I need one by next week, and then I need another 12 by mid-September at the shortest time. Can you help me out with this? So they're talking to their expediter to see if they can't get the manufacturer to produce some of these things for us um, because they had nothing on order at the, at the time that I called them up. Otherwise, what's the turnaround time? Well, I found a place in Hong Kong, but uh, I've ordered stuff from that before, and they didn't quite turn out to be the same thing. Yeah, I've heard that story before. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little hesitant. Otherwise, it's 11-week lead time. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's brutal. I mean, that, that puts us way outside of the season. I mean, that we'd, I, I'm going to have to find another solenoid at yeah. that point. Yeah, so, so what do you so, think, Cliff? You know, we've been reporting on shortages. Uh, do you think this is related to that? I do wonder if it's not related to some of the shortages we're starting to see. Yeah. Uh, just surprising because when I spoke to the supplier, she was actually, she's like, actually, we haven't had a shortage in a long time. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So, and this is something we've been discussing because of all the different IoT products. It's really pulling a demand on some of these sensors and, and all your basic components is getting, they're getting tugged and pulled in a lot more directions now. Yeah, yeah, and I'd, I'd expect that's just going to continue to grow. Yep, yep. So next time, I'm buying 18 of them and say, screw it. <laughs> Good plan. And she, I even, she even told me, she goes, yeah, somebody in July made like a huge order. I was like, can you just call them up and ask if we could buy one off of them? And she's like, oh, we can't do that. Oh. There's like, there's like a HIPAA for business, apparently. Oh, apparently. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's where that's at. Hey, Zainab. Yeah. Did we get any feedback? Not exactly, but I can really tell people enjoy uh, puppies and drone umbrellas. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been getting a lot of reactions for drone umbrellas, which is very exciting. But if you do have feedback, which please let us know, um, you can always shoot us a message at podcast at gearforgesoftware.com, or you can find us on Twitter at gearforgeit. We'll be there. We're posting every day. It's pretty fun. So if I've, got a, if I've got a puppy pick, I should send it to you because we have a new puppy. Yes, uh, I was going to ask you about that. We, I think it would be great to have Chewy on the Twitter page. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I just I got a picture <laughs> of him and Yoda sleeping together, so that was a, a big shocker. Oh, that's amazing. And then we can add Brenda, and it'll be a great party. Yeah. yeah. Zainab, how many followers do we have now on Twitter? Um, We have around uh, 1,150. Wow, nice. This is very exciting, I think. That is Growth great. Steady. Yeah, well, didn't we start out with like seven? 
Well, technically four, because <laughs> I, I, yeah, three of us and the following as well, so. Well, and, and Matthew, we've had thousands and thousands of downloads of the podcast. That is fantastic. Love to hear yep. it. Awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's um, just thousands and thousands. Uh, pretty soon we'll hit our 10,000 mark, so we're doing pretty good. Uh, Are we going to do another IT podcast, uh, an IoT button giveaway for the 10,000 downloads? Maybe if Matthew wants to give up his AT&T button that I'm going to be bringing him this weekend. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a pristine – actually, I've got something else we can give away too if we wanted to. So Fun. community news, uh, this leads right into it. So Matthew shared with me an industrial raspberry pie. Um, I'm going to put the link in here, but it's by embeddedpie.com. It's pretty cool for those of you that are that are a little bit more concerned about, hey, I like the Pi, um, I just can't operate my stuff in a, a, a three to five volt or something like that situation, um, and you want to operate it in more of your 12 to 24, or let's say 12 to 18 volt scenarios, which is more of the industrial range. Uh, this is pretty slick. I'd recommend taking a look at it. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. It's got a lot of uh, cards, um, specifically with like Modbus and your, your other... Um, 232 and some of the other typical scenarios you might want to communicate with it. Plus, it's got some uh, cards specifically for uh, some of your analogs, so your 4 to 20 milliamp signals. I would take a look. I definitely think it's really interesting. Um, the other one I wanted to share with folks is IoT in a Box, if you guys haven't heard of this one yet. Really interesting company. I actually got an IoT in a Box behind me. So, I mean, we can actually give that away, guys. Um, it's kind of cool. It's like uh, you can actually get these things. They actually have a reseller program too. So if you guys are interested in selling some, some components that are ready and available, uh, I'd suggest taking a look at IoT in a Box. So yeah, pretty cool. we've talked to them a few times. Basically, the IoT in a Box concept is they sort of prepackage everything you need to be able to support um, specific use cases, right? That's the idea. Yeah. 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 Um, we've got, I want to say the refrigeration module, uh, is the one that we have, Matthew, oh, along good. with the gateway and everything else. So it's pretty slick, uh, I believe is the one we have. The, they've got a 30 day, uh, no money, 60 day guarantee, hundred percent. If it, the device doesn't work, you send it back. So they stand by their products. Do we have a show sponsor, Matthew? Nope. No, Dang we don't. <laughs> Could we get one? Well, hold on. Maybe we do. Oh, can we borrow a show sponsor? Yes. <laughs> yes, in fact, I think our show sponsor is GearForge Software. GearForge Software, does that sound familiar? It does. I think so. GearForge Software is an IoT consultant that works with companies that are ready to make their company smart. If you're looking for a partner that will live, eat, and breathe your project, then look no further than GearForge Software. And you can learn more at GearForgeSoftware.com. All right, and that brings us to the news. Um, we have a lot of great stuff this week, starting off with what, uh, you know, I always love a security article. Yeah. And this one I thought was super, uh, super interesting, and that is, um, it's an article in Tech Republic about um, a smart plug, basically. Oh, sure. That um, is maybe not so smart. <laughs> so, so this is the this is related to so smart plugs are uh, little electrical outlets that you plug you plug into the actual outlet, but then it allows you to connect um, a phone or something, right? So you can oh, sure. control so let's say lights or whatever it is, right, to turn it on and off remotely. 
Um, so in this case, the, uh, let's see, this is a Belkin device, the Wemo Insight Smart Plug had a, um, basically a, a known flaw. It was an unreported, uh, unreported buffer overflow in one of the libraries uh, on the device. And researchers were able to basically take total control of that device. Now, that in and of itself is not super interesting. So you think about a smart plug, it's like, well, so you could, you know, you'd be kind of uh, maybe perplexed why your lights were turning on and off randomly. Mm -hmm. But how, you know, what, a, what problem does that really cause? Probably not a lot, but the, the big problem there is that smart plug is on your network. And if somebody can gain access to the smart plug, now they're on your network. And so then they, they would be able to, you know, usually your um, security arrangements, you have, uh, you have, you know, sort of much more um, uh, protection or you're, you're more guarded against what's outside your network, right? You don't want things to be able to get onto your network, but once they're on, they kind of have free reign. So uh, that's really the problem <laughs> with this. So this is sort of theoretical, but the attack is not, right? The, uh, the, the plug is definitely vulnerable and, uh, you know, you could basically do a pretty trivial attack to, uh, to get access to the plug and now you're on the network. From there, it's not so clear what the attack vectors are, but, um, sure. you know, basically what attackers need first is a way into the network and here they have one, so. Yep. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That is super interesting and somewhat problematic. So do you have a smart plug at your house, Matthew? I have no smart plugs. My, my plugs are all dumb. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. I really, the reality is, even though I'm a tech guy and I love technology and I think this stuff is cool, for my own personal life, I prefer not to have as much. And the reason why is because I don't want to have to update it all. <laughs> yeah, I can see that being a big problem. I mean... Yeah. I, I get the whole like I, I was looking up um, after the uh, the interesting uh, IoT products uh, episodes we had. I was looking at it and well, I mean a smart plug. What do you need, need that for? Lighting your Christmas tree on and off in a rhythmic way? I, I don't exactly get it. See, to me, it, it feels like a gimmick for home use. It's it really is in the business where it starts to get interesting, right? Where yeah. some of these IoT solutions where. You know, if you could, well, I think about the grocery store um, where uh, you walk down the aisle and the, the lights in the case are off and they turn on when you walk by, right? Yep, and that makes total sense to me. Yeah, it's a huge power savings. Yep, right? massive amounts of money or savings and just overall energy conservation. Having, you know, my plug uh, for my Christmas tree connected to a phone doesn't make any sense to me. So, so to me, uh, sometimes the home use feels a little gimmicky. I would agree. And like I said, it's maybe more more work <laughs> to keep these things up to date than it's worth. Yep. All right. So Cliff, what yeah. do we have up next? Um, well, one of the goals here I, I wanted to have is try to get a few business articles in here besides some of the techie stuff, Matthew. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one here, I, I want to say thank you, Zainab, for finding this one here. But it's five areas where... Uh, IoT is having the most business impact, and and I think the fun part is we could probably talk through quite a few quite a few of these actually, um, as far as we get through. So number one is product optimization, and so what it's talked through here is really um, specifically within the actual manufacturing uh, aspect of things. 
And, and what we know is that definitely manufacturing, we're seeing a lot of opportunities specifically for IoT. Um, so it's, and, and I talk to folks probably every week, if not every other week around manufacturing. And they are tons of folks are really interested in it. The, the, the problem most folks are having right though now, Matthew and Zainab is just trying to get the Dagon prototype out the door. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, they're just they're just struggling with it just because of the fact that a lot of folks um they just don't have the capability or un- understanding of how to bring all these things together. Yes. And so a lot of them are trying to do like these massive ones and they really uh they're better off to start small. So that's that's probably the best spot. But I always ask it when when you're talking to manufacturing, there's two ways to look at it. Either A, you're trying to increase your top line. So let's say you want when I say increase top line, what I mean is you're probably creating a new revenue stream, right, for the business. Mm-hmm. So looking across the board and saying, all right, from an IoT standpoint, how can I possibly create a new revenue stream for the company? And, the, and, and that's one of the big areas we're seeing right now. Um, one of the secondary areas is how do I improve my bottom line? And I don't mean my butt. I'm talking about the actual improve your overall margins, right? So, uh, and when I mean margins, it's like I'm going to decrease cost um, so that way my net profit or my um, EBITDA can improve. So that's the other side is folks looking at it to say, all right, we've got quality issues here or how do we improve predictive maintenance and going about it in that way. And we've talked to, gosh, I talked to someone earlier this week about that and they're kicking off a pretty, they've got a, a, a just a really bare bones project going on, but then they've identified 35 spots within their company where they feel like um, predictive maintenance could assist them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it goes beyond predictive maintenance, even what we were just talking about, just having, uh, having a computer be able to turn on and off the lights, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, say, it's, or, or, you know, mm-hmm. smart thermostats or whatever it is in a, in a home use, it's a small savings, but if you were running, like, let, think about like a university campus, right? Like, think of what a difference that would be if you could mm-hmm. control, um, you know, smart, basically smart power, smart heating, whatever. Well, and think about um, specifically for if you're a large, I don't know, go back to your university or even a hospital Mm -hmm. and you've got to maintain medications at a certain temperature, having a person go in there three times a day, let's say, and track the temperature. I mean, you're probably looking at 30 to $50,000 in human cost at least annually. Absolutely. But if you had an actual IoT device that was capable of doing that, that's a that's a cost savings. You can you could take that person and have them do something that a human should be doing. Well, and we're working with a customer that very much is in that um, very much is is in that exact position with a new IoT device right now, where basically the current system is is pen and paper, and yeah. the new system is uh, is essentially all digital because there's a bunch of um, a bunch of basically note taking that now the device can do. Right? Yeah, it, do, it doesn't need a person with a clipboard anymore. And I think that's that rolls right into number two, where they talk about supply chain management. Matthew, I know what you're describing is different, but um, this one here is is kind of ex- showcasing Amazon, right? Yeah. Um, but beyond that, just understanding how things are flowing through uh, from a supply chain is a huge opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think it does speak to the same point, right? There's currently a lot of manual work that goes into managing that, just oh, yeah. track, tracking stuff, right? Yep. yep. And uh, some of that can go away with, uh, with IoT. 
one I know in a warehouse trying to find folks to do stocking, that is not an awesome job. And the the turnover rate is extremely high in those type of roles. Uh, And and in today's job market, it makes it even tougher. Absolutely. Um, So another one, asset tracking and management. So um, 74% of the respondents, this is a Forbes article, by the way, uh, said that asset tracking and management was a large priority for their companies. So a lot of them are like, hey, how do we have um, an understanding of inventory of assets, where important important items are located at from an equipment standpoint and things like that. And, and this one here is um, pretty straightforward as far as the IoT is concerned. I mean, I think this is a this is one of those easy wins, in my opinion. I agree. So, um, and then the other one that they're talking about is financial decision making. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. What? Give me some more information on that. Yeah, I was a little surprised at this one. Um, so that there, and this one might be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe not. Um, but really, it was about how do you take, let's say, for a power company. Um, and understanding the capability to forecast and model power generation and distribution network and be able to take that and be able to make financial decisions off of that. Hmm. I mean, it's, it reminds me, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a stretch, I think, compared to some of the other ones. So this one's a little bit much, this, I mean, this is much more complicated, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Sorry. I mean, I would definitely, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, go ahead. I was definitely kind of expecting CRM to be there instead of, uh, financial decision making because it's much easier to track customers than track money with IT. Well, interesting enough, number five is customer experience. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so, yep, you're you're spot on. It's right below that. And this one here had an example of Caterpillar. So they're looking at incorporating IoT and other digital technologies into their equipment. So think of like a locomotive or an industrial generator or construction or mining equipment. So. They've got over 560,000 vehicles that are now collecting and transmitting data to their owners. Wow. The question is, is like, what, they, what are the owners actually doing with that data? Right, right. Yeah, and I think there will be a data overwhelm happen, right, as more of these systems come online. And, and I, I actually was reading another article the other day, Matthew, and it's a company specifically all they do is you can import data and be able to understand and try to track it to figure out stuff from it. Mm-hmm. One third of their users, their new users, abandon their platform because they have no idea how to interpret the data. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's not the simplest thing in the world. Nope. So they were thinking it'd be super easy. You put all these graphs and stuff like that. They said, yeah, it, they made great graphs, but they didn't know what to do with the information they had then. Well, with data, it's always like there are like three levels. There's sort of the raw data, right? Which the use of that is, there isn't really one. No. Okay? And then there's, uh, there's aggregated data, but you've got to know how to aggregate it and what's going to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there's actually, when you get to the point where it's like, now we, we understand what that aggregated data is and how it's useful, and now we can display it as a report or something like that, right? Visualize it in some way. But, but without understanding that second level, um, you can't get to the third level. Like just putting data on a graph means nothing. <laughs> Not at all. And if you don't have the, the concept behind of it, good luck. Exactly. Well, and we, you know, uh, we used to use uh, Microsoft, um, their uh, cube technology at a, at a former business, which was frankly pretty awesome. 
But the best thing about that was basically you, you could you could sort of explore the data, right? So you'd yeah. pair up Excel and you could um, pull in a bunch of stuff into a pivot table and then explore it. And, and as you explored, you started to realize the connections between things, right? It's like, oh, you could see things that you wouldn't normally, like, I don't even know how you would go into uh, the data to... Um, to, to know that that opportunity was there, right? Without yeah. some means of being able to explore it. Yeah. But it kind of highlights the fact that it's not, it's not as simple as, oh yeah, there's just data, now look at it. <laughs> you know? well, even even with those, we, even with that exploration though, if you don't know what to do with that, if you don't know the business well enough, you're going to have a, tr- you're still going to have problems. Well, but it's even more than that because we had a team behind the scenes that was actually building out, you know, all of that, essentially the aggregation for all of that. And they had yeah. to, they had to understand the business because they were the ones who were making, like basically they were aggregating it or creating the, um, the ETLs to aggregate it in such a way that it would pull in and make some sense. Cause the raw, you know, you can't just take the raw data and say, you know, okay, now make sense of it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. A human Precisely. has to understand what they're looking for. So, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. so great article. Thanks, Sina, for finding this one. Um, but uh, this is this is spot on. I mean, uh, this this is the world of what that we're seeing right now from a consulting standpoint. Yeah, it definitely resonates, doesn't it? It does. So, Zaina, what's uh, what's going on in uh, the U.S. airports? Well, what can I say? It's 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 the good old waiting lines. Um, so basically, <laughs> someone. I mean, I feel like I should start the story from the beginning. So basically what happened is uh, the DC Dulles Airport, is that how you pronounce it? Dulles, yeah. <laughs> Dulles, okay. Um, they installed a new facial recognition tech, and three days later, they spot the first imposter. And they are, they're testing it in, I believe, five airports, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and... Basically, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, they had a a 26-year-old man from apparently Brazil uh, fooling people with a French passport, got close to an officer, used the facial comparison biometric technology, or what it it is labeled, and it didn't match his face. And he turned out to be a a citizen of the Republic of Congo, and he left his ID in his shoe. Really? Uh, I found that very creative. But I mean, the whole article is about what um, this technology can do for airports and the fact that it could actually uh, shorten waiting waiting times and waiting lines for international flights, which are just horrendous. They're, they're by the hours, <laughs> especially if you're going to the U.S. You have to wait three hours in line for it. And basically, it says that it can shorten it to four minutes for now, but imagine what it could do as you optimize that um, technology. And on the other hand, there's obviously concerns of, well, you have this technology, you can use it in airports, and then what, who else can use it? Um, are you going to start tracking um, normal citizens? And what is the error on that? Especially if the kind of inconvenience you could cause to normal citizens who are kind of just when the system cannot recognize them. Yeah, yeah. What's the margin of error? <laughs> oh, I thought of that exactly yeah. that the minute I read it, and it doesn't your, say much about it yet. Your face really is bad. like is like uh, so close to a serial killer's face, <laughs> and the <laughs> facial recognition. You know, you keep getting arrested everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we caught him. Oh no, no, 
Yeah. False alarm. No, this is not the right one. Sorry, that's just a doppelganger. So this, this, this whole article feels very science fiction to me. It um, does, doesn't it? Yeah, like a movie from like 15 years ago with facial scanners and stuff like that. Yeah. But honestly, on, on a personal level, it, it does get very inconvenient and it gets, it gets very uncomfortable to be going through these kind of like uh, personal inspections and going through the machines and standing in lines for hours and hours and hours and having these things be more discreet and just be there and not bother people as much can really improve experience in an airport can probably just really cut down the waiting lines and waiting time for, for trips and to going into the US as well and so I mean despite the air margin which will actually be in a room for 14 hours and that can backfire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm usually pretty firmly on the, the side of privacy. However, um, I think this is just reality. The reality is the sort of anonymity, the anonymous society is gone. It's never coming back, right? And for the yep. most part, young people are comfortable with that. Like, I, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of things I would never put on social media. Um, I think that that era, like, I'm I'm getting old, basically, right? And uh, and I think this this actually probably does more good than harm because, frankly, there are all kinds of cases of mistaken identity already that probably um, you know something like this would just clear up faster mm -hmm. than any other mechanism. So it, it's probably a good thing, even with the privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, if it, I admit if they could shorten my line a little bit when waiting, God, that'd be great. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're already getting like full body scans. So, I mean, it's, it's not that, I mean, I'd rather just go ahead and just do the facial recognition. I already paid for like the super passports and all this other mm -hmm. stuff too. Yeah, it's really interesting technology, and I, like I said, I think we'll see more and more of it as uh, time passes. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to wearable robots. So, this was kind of an interesting article. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but uh, LG is uh, basically announced a robot mobility suit, and basically, you can think about this as it's like an exoskeleton. So, think about in a factory, you've got a bunch of heavy stuff, and now you you know kind of you can use this to uh, assist, right, the human body um, doing that kind of work. Uh, and I'm sure there are just a ton of uses for something like this in industry, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of cool. Also feels very much like science fiction. <laughs> I want one. Yeah, I know, me too. Those legs, legs maybe, for days. Maybe we could get a, yeah, maybe we could get a review copy. But. Well, LG, oh. I mean, they do a great job of, of producing some pretty nice-looking type um, products and just yeah. usually comfortable and things like that. So I would love to do this. It would be pretty cool, I think, Yeah, to get a robot suit. Why would you not want a robot suit? Like, I mean, yeah. every, everybody wants one. <laughs> like, uh, I can, instead of only being able to walk, like, two miles i can now walk like 20 miles exactly carrying 200 pounds yeah 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 that's that's exactly and less impact on my knees i mean there's yeah. a lot of benefits to this i think yeah it's interesting too there are probably other cases for yeah mobility just in general hmm. yeah i mean there's a yeah go ahead 
I'm sorry. I just found it kind of strange that instead of having like a fully automated solution, they just decided to stick legs on you because they they introduced it in kind of a manufacturing scenario. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Why not? Although, I mean, maybe maybe it's related to lifting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I just think like if you had to bend and lift, probably leg leg and lower back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's probably all being financed by the military. Yes, they probably <laughs> have the, uh, yeah, the militarized wow. version of this. Yeah, they've already got the version. Now they're saying, oh, we're going to do the commercial version now. <laughs> Oh, good. The robot wars are just around the corner. Of course. <laughs> hey, Cliff, um, what's uh, what's going on with IoT failures? Yeah, so I'm not. I won't spend too long, Matthew. Again, I just thought this was really interesting. So this comes from the VMblog.com. Um, so the the article's titled "IoT Failures Plague 64% of Users Worldwide uh, as Cloud Complexity Surges." Wow. So it's. Yeah, there's a lot of data. So what I'm going to put it here is that folks are a little worried, frustrated, and concerned. Um, and part of that is, let's say, IoT in the home. So 73% of consumers are really scared that if they get a smart lock, they're going to get locked out of their home because of bugs in the software. Mm, sure. 68% are not buying like smart thermostats because they're worried they're, they won't be able to control the temperature. Well, you know, I, I fit into that. I fit into that actually. Yes. Yeah. When I had this furnace replaced, when we replaced the furnace this winter, uh, they offered me a Nest or a Honeywell, like not a Nest. Basically, it's it's probably still more than I want, but it it, it doesn't come with the smart features essentially. And I chose the Honeywell, and for the reasons we talked about earlier, it's like I don't want to have to be in charge of keeping this thing up to date and all that. <laughs> Well, and, and you're, you fit right into this next one. So do I. 81% of consumers are concerned that technology or software problems with smart meters will lead them to being overcharged for gas, electricity, and water. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, it's pro- the reality is it's probably the opposite. You think you'll get undercharged? I, I, I think your bill will go down. Yeah because you're using them because they are smarter than we can be. But I think yep. for me, it is a, you know, like I, lo- I, I can, I can easily understand the simple solution. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so can my wife. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and I feel like I would have to invest some more time and energy into sort of understanding what I need to do to make sure this thing is working and continues to work and gets updates and all the things. Right. So that, that was sort of my, sort of my reasoning i don't know if it's right (laughs) well and and one of the big problems they're finding is from a pure business standpoint folks i mean businesses are already um realizing there's there's additional complexity when you scale to the cloud and things like that right Mm -hmm. microservices and and pressures to innovate faster but then when you add into it the concept of iot and all these devices um, they're really struggling in the monitoring and performance um, and providing a great experience overall um, just because it's, it's, it's almost overwhelming. Well, it's definitely not simple. No, no. It's, it's the, the complexity is, is how many, I, many, many folds higher. Absolutely. So it's, uh, 
it's it's that and then of course you've got on top of that now you got a lot of consumers that are getting concerned because they hear about the person that got locked out or or the odd scenarios happening and things like that with with one or two individuals with their different devices yeah there's been quite a bit of what i would call probably bad press i would agree yep yeah so yeah, interesting article. Uh, it's got quite a bit of numbers and things like that, which I like. I always like to see more um, specific things versus vague and, and whatnot. So, so I think here's my, here's my two cents. I think yeah. that this is going to be true for consumer markets. I still, I keep coming back to this, but I feel like IOT in the home is mostly a gimmick. Not entirely. There are some really great uses and some things that I think are pretty, you know, probably pretty useful and, and Nest is probably a good example of something that's actually a, a pretty good use. You know, like it's, it can manage your thermostat better than a human can, for sure. Yep. Save you money. It helps the environment. It's, that's a good thing. Yes. But I think generally, generally, it, it still doesn't feel like it's hit home yet to where yeah. this is. And, and in 50 years, it'll probably just be the way it is. But, but right now, I feel like it's, it's mostly a gimmick. Yep. But where... So adoption in homes is going to be slow, but where it is kicking is in business, right? Is in you know, the industry. You Absolutely. know, it's really funny, Matthew. It's it's almost the opposite of, and maybe you would disagree, but I, in my head, the opposite of kind of the app craze, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, apps, massive consumer adoption. Businesses were building apps just for the sake of building apps, and they really didn't have any usage for yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Probably that was really a consumer-driven trend. Yep. And this yep. is really an industry-driven trend. Very much an industry-driven trend, but but the consumers are all like, "Well, we've got to find something for consumers." Yeah. Yeah. It's well, okay. it's it's trailing. It's trailing. Yep. Yeah. So. And so you end up with things such as Samsung smart closets that steam your clothes in the closet and that can only fit in three suits. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly strange. what but, I, mean. I mean. It's not a home thing. It's not like a personal thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. I more. mean, business-wise, you can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Is that, the, right. is that the end of the articles for this that week? That is it. So if you have any feedback for us, shoot us a message at podcast at gearforgesoftware.com, or you can find us at Twitter on Twitter at GearforgeIoT, and we would love to hear from you. So, guys, that's uh, – that just about wraps things up. So do you have anything fun planned for the weekend? Cliff, how about you? Well, you and I are heading to Geek Fest, or you might want to call it Renaissance Festival. Either yes. way, there's a turkey <laughs> leg and some mead in my future. Can't wait. That's going to be super fun. Yep. We'll try to get some pictures, Zina, for the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And for me. <laughs> Yeah, that should be a great time tomorrow. Should be super hot here, so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. But it's worth it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Zainab, how about you? Um. Well, the grilling continues. Oh. Um, yeah, we had the. Um, there was a big religious holiday last week, and there is a lot of meat involved. Like a lot of meat, like crazy amounts of grilling for a week or two, depending on how much you got. And so the grilling will continue, and we're finally finishing off with the heaps and heaps of fish. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of protein these weeks. It's crazy. Sounds great. That sounds wonderful. Really wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, folks. We hope you'll join us again for next week's show. And until then, so long and be well. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.